right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. All right, we back. We back. Back. Episode 26 in the house. Yay. Yay. Uh, we're we're recording this mid NBA Finals game six. Uh, I don't here. think that you can say it's mid if it's game six. I think we're at the end of the NBA Finals in the next five well, days. Yes, hopefully not. Hopefully the night that we're recording this isn't the end of the NBA Finals. Um, you know we're not. we're obviously a son's house here. Yeah, um, I hope not. Here's what I'll say though. Uh, ha- first of all, happy International Chess Day. I believe it is. Ooh, um, very underrated it. holiday that people aren't aware of because I wasn't I keep aware a chess board like on my table and I keep a chessboard on my table in my professional office anytime anybody needs that work I really do it's a magnetic chessboard that a student gave to me that we played whenever she didn't have tutoring sessions and I keep that on my desk just in case anybody want that action boss and when I was a teenager my, one of my last gifts I've ever got from one of my aunts was a crystal chess set so I'm about that action ball so shout out to national well, next chess time we see set. each other we're playing for sure. I'm de- no, we're not going to play. We're going to play multiple. We got to play some sets, like games of seven, on that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not going to claim that I'm the best, but I guarantee you I'm not the worst. I I, th- I can vouch for myself in the same sentiment. Um, I, I very much enjoy playing. I, I've learned so much about chess in the last year. Definitely partially inspired by Queen's Game, but I, I've never I, seen it. I got on chess.com, got that membership. I try and play. Uh, when I was in Texas, I was playing a little bit more than now that I'm mm. home and there's, like, people around. Um I've learned that chess players, you burn so many calories playing chess. Like I've I learned mm. uh, like chess players, when they play tournaments like all day, because of how much brain power you're going through, they burn like three to 4,000 calories a day. Playing I, think chess. That, I think that determines on how much you, you, your anxiety levels are like, you know, probably like one, one, yeah. Like one of the coolest things I've ever seen with sports science was when they did one on Travis Pastrana they talked about him doing like double backflips and him jumping out of a plane without a parachute, by the way, and things like that. And how his heart rate would barely rise above average because he was so used to being so close to death that it didn't register for him. Well, I think that like chess masters and people, which is not me, and I'm assuming is not you, they don't burn that many calories, which eventually tires you out, which what happens with your focus. It like takes away from your focus because they're so locked in at the greater goal. I think that they're like, Oh, I don't need that. I don't. I've seen probably everything or thought about everything. I think that people who burn, you say, three to four thousand calories are the ones who are worried about what the next person is going to do. From what I have seen, aka the old heads in North Philly who used to play on the street corners, just chilling whenever you want to pull up and get a game in, they don't think about what you're going to do. They're worried about what they're trying to do. Yeah, so but at like, the same time, I feel like like they're not probably worried about some dude that's stepping to them. I, I, you know, if you're in a tournament and we're There's doing money grand- on the line, sir. There's money on the line. They worry. That's beer but money. Grandmaster versus grandmaster. Like they, I think you are worried about what the other person's going to do to a certain degree because they may pull something out that's never been done before. But because if you're that, a grandmaster, they're the only person at that caliber is you that's able to do that. But if you're, you're a grandmaster, pocket though. But if you're a grandmaster and you're not part of the KKK, I think that you're probably, you've probably read every book or a lot of books and you're just like, if somebody pulls something out, I just got to. Rockwood. I think that I don't know. I don't know. Like for me, chess is a sport and that men. I don't think chess is a real sport, but I think chess is the same sport when it comes to the competition level where you sit back and you're like, okay, I know what I'm capable of. And what I'm capable of is not is better than whatever you can do. 
So whatever you can do is not going to matter as long as I'm on my game. And I think that the best athletes, and I don't think chess is a real sport, but I think the best athletes look at it that way. Like, I, I don't think that the top athletes, like the top 1% of athletes lose The only sleep person over. they're worried about beating them is themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing with these NBA finals, man. Like, I think that Giannis probably feels like, as long as I play like me, we're going to win. And I feel like Devin Booker probably feels the exact same way. I think that's fair. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call chess a sport. I think it's probably to a degree as mentally taxing as a sport in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, but yeah, physically for sure. Not, um, I mean, I'd like to, you know, we'll transition to a real sport and that being cornhole, um, here, as we discussed a little bit on the pre-show. Um, but first, what, what do we got for number 26? Listen, I, I thought about it, looked it up because 26 is such an odd number. And I was like, <clears throat> there must be people who I forgot were 26 and there were. 100%. But I got to go with a guy who I believe is a top five player in his position in the history of his game, um, at least on one side of the ball, maybe not on both sides. But uh, we also talked about, was it three or four episodes ago about primes? I think we talked about this with the Kobe episode, actually, about primes, where it was like, to me, when we talk about prime, it's not only about what you accomplished in your longevity. It's about how great were you at your peak opposed to everybody else, no matter how short your peak was, how great were you at your peak? And that's how I really try to judge primes because I think too often we give people lifetime achievement awards, like, Oh, this person is the all time leading this, or this person play for this long. And that's why they're the best. Or this person got this many trophies because they stuck around for 17, 18, 19, 20 years. And I think that can be part of the conversation if we're talking about greatest careers, but if we talk about the greatest ever at their specific field of play, to me, this guy's the top five in, or at his position. I'm going Chase Utley, man. Like Chase, Chase Defer. Uh, he has, to me, to me, being from Philadelphia, going to, I don't even know how many Philadelphia Phillies games, I think he is easily a top 10 most loved Philadelphia Philly in the history of the Phillies. I think that he is a guy who embodied the city because he didn't talk much, but when he did, that shit hit hard. Like when he cursed on national broadcast television at the parade, uh, when we won a chip in 08. And he is a guy who, if he didn't get hurt the way he got hurt, where they didn't even think he would ever really be able to play again, he probably would have more of a clear shot at the Hall of Fame. I believe he's a Hall of Famer because of his hitting numbers, but I don't think he's going to make it because I don't think he's going to make it in the initial review. He might get put in by like the executive committee. I believe that's what it's called. But I think Chase Utley, number 26, is easily my pick. And I actually went to his first game at Citizens Bank Ballpark when it opened up in 2004, I believe. And they were giving away Chase Utley um, baseball cards. And my dumb ass didn't grab one because I was too busy worried about getting in and getting to my area before the game started and also maybe possibly getting a cheese pretzel. But that's neither here nor there. Who's your 26, sir? So I, I had a feeling we were you were going to go for uh, Chase. Um, also a all-time scene in Always Sunny when Mac reads his letter to Chase Utley. Um, and when Chase Utley or the MLB or – Maybe, maybe I think he must have still been with the Phillies, maybe, or maybe it was right around the time he went to the Dodgers and they put out like a video of like a response to Mac, all time great. 
Um, you know, you just wanted to have a catch. Um, so my, my, I got, I got a, a real one. And then I got one that I want to give a shout out to my, my shout out is to Brock Holt, um, who wore number 26 for the Red Sox for about half of his Red Sox career. Um, I give a shout out to him because he's absolutely one of my favorite people that I ever got the chance to meet in the world of sports. Probably not probably the absolute nicest player that I interact with when working with the Red Sox um, always made time for the kids kind of like sought them out if anything, rather than being like hounded for an autograph. Like he was the one like proactively going up to kids. If we had kids in the dugout or whatever, just the nicest, most down to earth guy in the world. Um, I also give a lot of shout outs to him for what he does with his foundation, um, rocking out cancer, you know, like even though he's been, he was the Red Sox, uh, Jimmy fund captain, which basically really a lot of times just more of a name thing where it's like, okay, you're the captain of, can you, can you say it again? Who is yeah. the name? What's the namesake? So it's the Jimmy fund, uh, which is basically a Dana Farber cancer Institute, um, children's cancer treatment. It was kind of a program started by Ted Williams. So like it goes way, way back. So every year the Red Sox have like a couple of captains, they call them, um, where like you're kind of more the face of, of the fun that year. Um, a lot of people, it's, you know, name only really that they're attached. Um, he is still to this day, despite having played for three franchises since the Red Sox, when he sells his uh, T-shirts now that he's with the Rangers, like half of it goes to uh, a cancer center down there and half of it is still going to the Jimmy fund. Um, and even when he was a free agent, he would go visit kids at the the cancer institute. So like he really took it further than most um, and not publicizing it really in any way. Um, like, I think the only reason I saw it was like through his wife's social media. So like, you know, he's like, he's just a good dude down to earth. Um, but my, my other 26 is the man for whom Brock Holt changed his number um, so that they could retire this number uh, on the right field Fenway facade. I'm going with the chicken man, Wade Boggs. Another great Always Sunny reference as well uh, to a great episode. Um, but one of the, you know, talk about hitters and infielding. Um, one of the greatest hitters, you know, this game has probably ever seen. Um, you know, two-time gold glover, eight-time silver slugger, five-time batting champion, 12-time all-star. He has a, a easily forgettable World Series championship because no one cares what team he was on for that. Um, all-time great moment, I will say, of him when he got his 3,000 finish drives. Yep. Riding the horse after the, the World Series, that is an all-time moment. I will give him that. Um, but, yeah, I'm going with the chicken man, Wade Boggs. There's probably a few humans in history that could outdrink that man. And I'm one of them. Can I ask you a question related to both of your picks sure. that, that I thought about as you were saying them? Because we don't, people who are listening, um, all three of you, we don't actually talk about our picks until we get to recording. Um, and as I really see your first pick, this is a question that I've asked myself a lot more over the last two years than I think I've ever asked myself is, do you think people actually care about other people's, um, do you think humanity, humans care about the humanity of others on a high enough level for us to actually coexist? That's the first question related to the first answer you gave. And then the second question related to the second answer you gave, do you, why do you think Wade Box and not Massachusetts or New England, but why do you think Wade Box has been forgotten historically for how great he is? 
Um, the first one is really quite an existential question. Um, I think the fact that people that go out of their way to so show such humanity that they're as memorable as they are is not a good sign um, in terms of the generalization about humanity and, you know, how we seek to take care of others. Um, I think uh, social media has made us more antisocial um, and has kind of driven more divides than it has, you know, uh, made bridges. Um, I, th I think it started out well and it's just gone to a less healthy place at this point. Um, so, and, and, you know, I, I do believe that just for the fact, again, that it's so memorable for someone to show such grace and, you know, humility in, in, in seeking to, you know, build bonds and, and grow, you know, in this case, a game, but, you know, kind of grow that culture. Um, that it is concerning that that's such a memorable part of who it is. And maybe he's just, you know, one of the real greats that he was above even the rest, but like there are plenty of people, you know, I won't name names and well, I'm, I, I eventually could name some names, but um, you know, I don't want to disparage too many people, but there's a lot of people that wouldn't have done that. Um, or, you know, it would have to be like, I would have to go grab and be like, Hey, can you sign an autograph for these kids? Like, you know what I mean? So there, there's some people that are just built a little bit different uh, with the second one. I think, you know, so it's he interesting only played for one in one division, played for two, three teams in that division. So I feel like people forget the greatest division in baseball history. If you get the statistics, honestly. So I mean, the, you know. at that era, the devil rays, I wouldn't probably put them in there. But yeah, Red Sox, Yankees. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Because I think realistically speaking, whomever the third team was historically in that division Later wipes fifth. out the devil rays terribleness. So like you got two teams. Well, that's like, like what we do with the sport. Orioles now. I'm not going to touch that one. Shout out to Baltimore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's – I don't know. I mean, he never talked a ton, I mean, at least that I can think of. I don't know that he was ever, like, the most open and, like, engaging, fun individual, apart from the legendary stories told about him. Um think of any real Red Sox outside of our the greatest Hispanic player ever um and all of the Red Sox from like 1995 on who were really outspoken um it's it's it's, it's an interesting question I mean there's not a ton um Golfing, you know, but they all had like, like you know a lot of them had like a i don't know that wade wade boggs was like a, a staple of consistency i think his most signature moment is the horse um whereas like i feel like most of those other all-time greats had like a defining moment in the field that gets talked about mm -hmm. or a defining season he was just a model of consistency i think that that gets forgotten very similar to chase udley in many ways mm -hmm. like i i think chase udley will be another guy that we're like Dan, remember how good that dude was? Because mm -hmm. I don't think people will remember unless they saw him play. Yeah, um, because it, I, I think that their consistency is like their detriment. You know how people say like your greatness is your biggest weakness. I think it's the same thing with Wade Box and even I mean Wade Box is at a higher level of greatest baseball players ever than Chase because of the longevity. But I think Chase for for all of Chase's career when he was in his prom, they were like, who's a better second baseman, JD Drew or Chase Utley when it comes to hitting? That's, that was the conversation. There was nobody else. It was those two people. 
And it was like, oh, that's a real conversation to be had, you know? So I think that you, you're right. The consistency part, like we didn't get to see them come back from, um, come back from some type of drought with their offensive numbers or even their fielding numbers. So I think that they were too consistent for their own good. And I think that we got to see a lot of great players who had dips in their careers come back. And it was I like, also wonder, I wonder if we would look at Wade Boggs differently if the Red Sox won in 86, because that was the absolute peak of his career. Like if you look at his numbers, 85 to 88, he hit 364, led the league in on-base percentage and batting average all four of those years. But who else were on those teams? Bill Buckner. Yeah, yeah see, like Bill before the before uh, the Dave the legs, Henderson. Um, who, who Florida between was, the legs. Don Baylor, Buck. Jim Rice was on those teams. Dewey Evans. It's, I think that's what it is. Like before, Bill Buckner had to go between his legs and things like that. Jim Rice is another one. Like they had guys who were like names that people were like, "Yo, these are my favorite players." I don't know how many people looked at him that way. Like that's my favorite player, and I think it was because he was too consistent. I, I think I think if more it could do you think he would have been more beloved if some of the stories of his partying came out while he was still playing? Uh, I think it depends though because he played for so long that I think it depends on the era that it came out. If it came out like towards the end of his career, like mid, not mid, not end. Of career, I don't think mid, would, I don't think it would have worked well if it came out when he was a Yankee because that would have been so anti Steinbrenner. Yeah, you know, I think that would have been one of those things. So like, I think that for him. It's weird because he should be remembered on the same level that we look at. I know different positions, but like same way that we look at like a Greg Maddox or or Tom Glavin. We're like, Glavin were so cons- better. I think Maddox is a different level. No, no, no. I don't mean greatness. I mean like consistency. Like okay. they were all like for a deck. How many baseball players can we say for a decade were arguably top five in their position? There's very few. Not many. Like very few. Not many. You know, so like I think that that's why it becomes weird because people don't talk about Greg Maddox anymore unless you're in Atlanta. Like people don't even talk about Tom Glavin. Like it's a they shame because I, I think you can make arguments. Greg Maddox, all things considered, is the greatest pitcher who ever lived. I agree with you, and I'm a Phillies fan, 100. percent Like we had to see that guy. I, I talked to a Phillies fan once um, who he we were there uh, watching the game. Me and some of my roommates in college, and he told us this is a diehard Philly fans, and he he said. I named my son Maddox after Greg Maddox. He's mm-hmm. like, I tell people it's after Tommy Maddox, but it's after Greg Maddox. Quarter, what the f- oh no, no, no. Um, Gary Maddox. There's a Maddox for the for the uh, Philly somewhere in there. I don't remember. I want to say it was Tommy Maddox. Probably right, but so yeah. So I think that his consistency was like a detriment to himself. You know, it's the same way we look Gary at NBA. Maddox, certain, think, yeah. Or Mike Maddox. Mike Maddox. I think that it's a lot of names you throw out there. I think that it's one the same way we look at certain basketball players. Like, one of the reasons why I think, like, and once again, Hall of Fame player, I consider I consider what we're talking about the same way I look at Dirk Nowitzki's career. Like, Dirk Nowitzki should be looked at as arguably a top five NBA player ever. Like, arguably a top five. It's like, there's no, there's, to me, if you look at what he did with what he did, he arguably is a top five NBA player ever. And he almost never gets brought up. Like almost never. He is, he is top three greatest international basketball player ever. And he ain't three. Who would you put above him? Hakeem? Hakeem. Yeah. 
Okay. AKA Akeem, because Akeem. Americans kept saying Hakeem, even though his name's Akeem, but Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, but ha- but, 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 is on but wait, 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 Ivan, Clemente. Ivan. Wait, 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 Ivan. Hakeem Olajuwon is an American citizen. He played on Team USA. That's... So can we still count him? I don't think you can. I don't think we can. We can't count Tim Duncan. He played on Team USA. Can't count Patrick Ewing, even though he's like Jamaican. He is Jamaican. You can't count him. So, like, arguably speaking, Steve looking Nash. around, like, <laughs> it's Steve Nash and Dirk. <laughs> it's Steve Nash and Dirk. And they played on the same team, and Dirk was the best player on that team. Is mm, Yeah, I was going to say the Team USA thing really hurts because you'd be like, oh, Kobe might be Italian. Um, Kobe's not Italian. He was born in America. No. Yeah. And, he was. He was born in America. And no, I'm, I'm saying, America. yeah, no, I'm saying no to the Italian. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Don't do that. But don't no, I'm, you know, to circle back, I think Tom Glavin is a really good comparison because, like, it, I, you know, grew up watching baseball in the Glavin era. And, like, looking at his numbers now, like, I forgot somehow how great he was. Because he did it so effortlessly. Like, like way like, Boggs was so like, The fact that we don't talk about a guy that won two Cy Youngs, a World Series MVP, a 10-time All-Star, and a, a four-time Silver Slugger, too, at that. Like, let, let's just make it a little more fun. Light work. Light work. It's crazy. And what he has over 300 wins, right? 300 wins, 2,600 strikeouts. Dog, insane numbers. And you know what it was? He was too fucking consistent. He didn't have a two-year stretch where he was like, well, will Glavin make it to be an ace again? Like, no, he was always the guy. It was yeah, like his issue, nah. his, his issue as well was he was teammates with Greg Maddox, who was also just better. <laughs> like, but, but like he but, was consistently all time great, but we ignored it because of how all time great the other guy was. See, I think. no, but 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 part of that though is as a Phillies fan, I can argue that Glavin is equal to Greg Maddox because you just said he had four silver sluggers, right? So overall, as a baseball player, because you know how baseball looks at all of the numbers, if you look at overall as a baseball player, you can argue, argue Glavin was as good as Maddox, even though Maddox has more wins. I believe Maddox has more strikeouts. I think Maddox even has a few saves in there. But like, if you talk about Maddox baseball, doesn't have any saves, that's uh, Smoltz. I know that's Smoltz, but I thought I thought Maddox came in. You know for how many gold gloves Greg times. Maddox has? Gold gloves? Six. Take a guess. Six? Six. Uh, yeah, multiply that by three. He has 18 gold gloves. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> that was insane. How many silver sluggers does he have, though? Uh, I don't think he has any silver sluggers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, guy. I'm gonna say, if you divide those gold gloves by silver sluggers, I would think a pitcher silver slugger is harder to get than a gold glove. When you're striking everybody out, that's the thing too. Like Maddox didn't put it into play. Like Maddox struck a lot of people out. So like. Yeah, Matt, I mean, Maddox those, has over 30, almost 3,400 strikeouts. Dude, so if you if you were one of those pitchers, like a Jamie Moyer. And, and he wasn't powering dudes. But like that, say, that was like, the scary if, part of his was all placement. If, if you were one of those pitchers like Jamie Moyer, who had stuff that wasn't overpowering, but you always put it in play, but you won gold gloves, those gold gloves mean a lot more to me. If you were a guy who struck, what would you say? He, he won the gold glove. Every year from 1990 through 2002, took a year off because it looks like, yeah. So, yeah, he didn't win it in 03. Then he went oh. to the Cubs, won three straight, pitcher, and then had two gold more gloves. To me, pitcher gold gloves mean nothing to me. 
because like if you are 18 still means a lot to me no 18 is insane i'm saying but i'm but i'm also saying that pitcher i care more i want the era title guy i want to but i but i also want to know i want to see the pitchers who weren't overpowering with strikeouts who have gold gloves because to me that means a lot more because you're putting it into play you actually have to make moves you have to do stuff in order to get a gold glove where like Greg Maddox struck out 70 to 80% of the batters he faced his entire career. And a few times somebody bunted or like hit a dribbler to him, he got him out. Like, so your footing percentage is going to be a thousand most of the time. That doesn't mean much to me. And I fucks with Greg Maddox, not to so the shit on him. Like, I mean, you know what, you know what is kind of impressive? Like Madison Bumgarner has two and he's like, renowned as like maybe the greatest hitting pitcher of this generation yeah so like if but i mean you know who four. you know well here's the thing you know who's about that action was mike hampton dontrell willis no mike oh. hampton that dude's got five <laughs> and dontrell willis though keep it real dontrell was used to mike hampton won five straight Fuck with that's it. crazy especially when you're playing in the national league without a dh so well yeah they're the only ones that can win hit. yeah they're the they're the only ones that can get them. There's some fun names on here, though. M- Micah Owings, that's a guy I remember as being a slugger. I remember going to a game he pitched once in Arizona, and he went two for three and hit a ball like 400 to dead center. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good one. All right, so back to back to Cornhole, more importantly. We, we, All right, so wait, wait, wait. wait yeah, you, you approach it. You approach it. This is your idea. I get Yes, yes. I personally, and I'll stand by this until you prove me wrong. And if you prove me wrong, we're partners. So I'm okay with it. Is there a sports sponsor greater for the sport of which it sponsors than Johnsonville Bratwurst is for, for professional cornhole? I'll wait while you think about it. You can go Gatorade with, with, with soccer, baseball, and basketball. You can go any sneaker, comp- all that kind of stuff. I don't think there is a greater sponsor for a professional sport than Johnsonville Bratwurst as it relates to the actual sport. And if Krispy Kreme was a sponsor of curling, I will go with that. But a broom company should should do it for curling. That would be great. But I don't think there are broom companies anymore. I think they're all and, uh, other companies. I think you're probably right. Ooh, what if ooh, what if what if curling came up with their own idea of like a sweep? And they came out with their own broom. I think that the curling society should do that. That'll be fucking fire. That that'd be interesting. I, I I'd be shocked if they didn't have something. It's probably just so such a small brand because Kenny Olympics, bro. I, I know, it, but how many people you ever walk into the house and be like, oh, you got a curling equipment? You don't even gotta say that. I'd be like, oh, you got the sweep? Ooh, I don't know. Like I Sponsors. Curling is view. I think curling gets multi million views, and like I think curling is a top ten Olympic view sport. Do, do you do you think people? So here's an interesting question: Do you think people do it because they're actually fascinated by the sport, or become because curling is the go to, for lack of a better term, meme uh, for like weird Olympic sports? I'm going to ask you: Does it matter? No. I don't think it does because I, I think when like, people watch the NBA, they can't they can't look at themselves like I'm going to jump from the free throw line. I think they're looking at it like I think a lot of people are looking at basketball like NBA and be like, oh, those guys are attractive. I think that's one of the reasons why. I think the second reason why is guys 
who in guys and girls who could never live out their sports dreams being like, if I had the chance, like those what if people. And then I think the third reason is because people love basketball. I don't think that the love of basketball is the top reason why people watch the NBA finals. Like, I, I just don't. Because if that was the case, they their ratings wouldn't be as bad. That's true. Baseball ratings are up this year. Well, when you're last, it's easy to become up. No, it's been going up year by year. When you're last, it's easy to come up. I'll stick to that. NBA baseball has been – I think baseball has been fourth out of fourth over the last three years. Um, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. Because hockey – I know the good. MLB All-Star game got better numbers than the NBA Finals. I don't doubt that at all because Shohei, man. Yeah, people love the show. Dude, Shohei, Shohei, Shohei and – Is Showtime a, a good nickname or a trash nickname? <laughs> That's a bad name. But – and Vlad, man, you know how I feel about Vlad. I, Ivan knows more than most people how much I love Vlad Guerrero Senior. Well, so well, let's that, not get next episode is episode twenty seven. I don't want to. I don't want to do too much Vlad talk yet. So you weren't going to go Stifle Tower? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> the disrespect in your face that nobody will see is is is, is it, it it tickles me. I don't even mean that out of a disrespect. One no, of it was disrespectful. Look, look at me. I'm about to do it. Say, say what you said. Say what I said to you. Not the Stifle Tower. Go ahead. Say it. N- not the Stifle Tower. No. <laughs> when, when I was thinking about it, because I was like, is this episode 26, 27? I was like, oh, 27. We're talking Vlad's. Oh, we got to. I'm going to wear my, my Montreal Expos Vladimir Potter blue jersey on that episode. It's I was, I was thinking about off. buying one. They got a bunch of old Mitchell and Ness jerseys on MLB shop right now. Um, and you didn't tell me? I haven't. You're supposed to be my partner in this podcast. Well, I'm, 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 I'm about to get the. No, it's not about you. You didn't tell me. Stick with that part. It's fair. Well, we we discussed pre-show that we've both been bad. Like, well, we we both missed a song for a week and a half that we should have been on top of. I've but that's not, not out here nor there. I've known about these. I should have let you know. I apologize. I let you know about the Phillies uh, rebox, the Phillies questions. You were, uh, you're right. You're right. That comes out next week. You're right. So you know, I, I feel like I've been. Hey, there's always room to improve. But yeah, right now the ones I'm I'm eyeing up on there. I forget the sizing, so I gotta take a look. Was they well, got right now? They got a twins number twenty-seven. I might have to get that. Uh, and it's just on MLB.com, just under MLBShop.com. Yeah, yeah. MLB shop. And then they got a number forty-five Pedro Expos jersey, which I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna need. I to think we should just invest in all the Expos jerseys and just rock them at different times. You know what Expos jersey I do need though? Number 12, I want the Tom Brady Expos jersey from when he got drafted. Mm. I mean, do I know that doesn't do, do the same for you as it does for me. Um, I mean, it doesn't do anything for me at all, but, you know, I respect it overall. Let's see. We got to pull it up. Cooperstown teams, Montreal. Let's just jump to Montreal. Yeah, they got the So, literally, I love – so, the Cooperstown teams are just separated. Like, hey, here's the Senators and the Expos. Yeah. I love it. Oh, these yeah. are sexy. They're nice. They're nice. Shit. I should have looked at this right now. I'm going to probably buy something tonight. Yeah. The, the other reason I was bad about this is I'm really $70 sad one? that I Stop missed it. a really nice Pedro um, 99 All-Star game one. And I've been sad oh, about yeah, it for I like three that. weeks. I've seen that Because yeah. the only Pedro 99 All-Star game one now is $300. And I love Pedro Martinez about as much as life itself, but I can't do that. Pedro wouldn't even do that. Right. Also, Pedro wasn't like 
who he became in 99. Like, it's dope. I mean, he won the All-Star Game MVP. That's light work for a Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. That was that was me, his best year. Was ninety nine. I disagree. Pedro Martinez to me is a top five pitcher of all time. Correct. So Go look me, at his ninety nine two thousand. Cool. He was a Pedro was I think, amazing. I think, I think it was it was one of those years he won the ERA title by two full runs. Cool. Cool. Still not. A, did he win he, that year? He was should he was he was one scumbag reporter away from being the MVP that year. Did he win that year? No comment. One okay. Sign. So, for which at me, that time was a lot for us. For, yeah. For, for me, Pedro has been, um, I think Pedro has put up amazing stacks. Once again, this goes back to the Glavin conversation. He was so consistent for like a decade that we just took him for granted. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Pedro's cool. Yeah. What else? What is everybody else doing? And I think that Pedro Martinez is one of those dudes that, even though his statistics weren't the best in some of his later years, I think that his arguably his better years are the times where he were on when he was on winning teams, and he had to sacrifice in a way in which people don't really understand. I don't. I, here's here's my uh, counterpoint to that. In '99 and 2000, I do remember this from being that young. When you showed up, like Pedro Martinez is the only pitcher, the only pitcher that, as a Red Sox fan, it would be like pre-opening day. And we'd be, you know, my family would be like, all right, let's go to like a game around like June. And I'd be counting out every five days to see if it was going to be a Pedro day. It mm-hmm. was a Dominican block party every single time he pitched. I've ne- mm-hmm. it's, it's never been like that. When he, when he, when they retired his number, they did it twice, once in English and once in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he, let's see. By the way, you, so, you, right, you, so bought, Pedro- you bought those Mitchell and Nestor. Just how do they run? So- like a size down or, or true to size? They're, they are. So it depends if I'm, I'm a wide body, but I'm only 5'8". So for me, I, I bought a size that was like one size bigger than my basketball jerseys because, you know, baseball jerseys are a little bit snug, but it might be a little bit long depending on how your torso is. But um, so I would say go like one size bigger than your basketball jersey when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, but like Pedro, like once again, not taking away from the greatness of Pedro, like 99, once again, I'm not saying 99 – isn't arguably his best season. But what I think is Pedro has so many seasons that were close to 99 in me. Like 2002 was close to him because he had 20 wins. 99, he had 23. He had the same amount of losses in the same span. 98, 19 wins. 2000, 18 wins. 97, 17 wins. So he was always a win machine. But then for me, when you look at the ERA, 2000, 1.74, 99, 2.07. It was 2000, 1.74, and second place was Roger Clemens. You can look this up. Roger Clemens had a 3.71, I think. Yeah, but, you know, Roger Clemens on steroids. Um, 97, And Pedro was facing the dudes on steroids, too. No comment. Everybody's on fucking steroids, Dana. Um, (laughs) So, like, for me, Pedro, like, shutouts, 2004, 99, only one. Um, And I said Hold on, man. Let me get to that. So innings pitch, 97, 241, 1998, 233, 2017, 204, 217. 99 is all the way down to 1, 2, you know, and I'll let you finish, but what I will say mm-hmm. that four year stretch, 97 to 2000, until the, the best Grom, 
until the Grom best ever is the yeah, best, peak the best ever. ever. And I think you can still argue it's the best ever if you give the context of like who he was facing. Like he was facing those all-time great dynasty Yankees on steroids. He was facing the stacked Indians teams, uh, baseball teams. I should, I should, I apologize. Um, <laughs> like, you know, and that was like before Manny came to Boston. And like this was when it was just him and Nomar in Boston. That was it. On steroids. Um, yeah, I feel you. And, and Nolan you. Ryan is my favorite pitcher. So quick. Better watch your mouth. I'm, I'm not talking about, him. I'm not saying that, Martinez was there. I'm talking about everybody he faced. Was oh, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought you were saying him and Nomar were. I was about to get no, no, upset. no. I'm telling I love Pedro. I wouldn't do that to him. Like, he was facing everybody on steroids. And he was like, tiny. so like, and he was tiny. Should... Like, like, that's why I think, like, you know, it's like, oh, who is, uh, who else was great at that size that was like, pa- like dominating dudes with power? It was Randy Johnson, who is like one of the most genetically and Roger freakish. Clemens. Yeah. Roger Clemens is another one, but we know he was juiced up. We know. As far as we know, Pedro and Randy were not. Randy was six eleven. Um, so Randy was like what one hundred and eighty pounds at six eleven. I don't think he was. Just, yeah, like he he made Chris Sale look look thick. He um, made he made he made Giannis Antetokounmpo look like Shaquille O'Neal weight wise. He, he made he made rookie Giannis look like current Giannis. Yes, Randy Johnson was so thin, but he had that torque. You know, and yeah. that's something that I can't but, yeah, no, the, and My favorite thing that <laughs> describes the dominance of Pedro Martinez was. Peter Gammons, legendary baseball writer, wrote was writing an article um, where he polled every hitter in baseball about who had the best fastball, curveball, and changeup. And he said, like, fastball, it came down to Pedro and Randy Johnson. Pedro edged it out. Curveball was, like, the Maddoxes and some of those slower guys. Pedro still won that. And no one else voted for anyone else on the best changeup. And Peter Gammons never ran the story because his whole thesis was supposed to be, like, Let's look at these three different pitchers who have the best pitch in this. And it was just like, it was just all Pedro. I mean, I, once again, I'm a Pedro guy. I think Pedro has the greatest changeup. Does Pedro have the greatest fastball? No. Does Pedro have the greatest glove? No. Could he get some silver sluggers? Who knows? He played too much, too much of his career in a league that didn't matter when it came to pitchers hitting. So it's very much unknown. And I think that Pedro... I think Pedro doesn't get his due once again because he was way too consistent. Like I think that if Pedro, if Pedro had like two off years where we were like, maybe Pedro should be like a, a long-term uh relief pitcher. Like that never happened because it was like, no, Pedro Martinez is gonna get you minimum, minimum 12 wins a year, even if your team wins 12 games. That was he, that was also he was a part of as a reliever. Maybe the stupidest game in the history of well, no, that that's a big superlative. Um, but if anyone ever wants to watch a very funny game, uh, go watch the Indians and Red Sox. I forget which game it was in the '99 playoffs. Um, there was like f- 19 runs scored in the first three innings, and then they brought in Pedro out of relief and for the last six innings of the game, the Indians got zero hits. Think about this. Pedro Martinez last year was the Philadelphia Phillies, which is one of the reasons why I cape for Pedro. He was 37 years old. He won five games and lost one. Just think about that. The Philadelphia Phillies haven't had a pitcher that good since 2000 and maybe 13 when we had the Cliff Lees of the world in, the, in, in our rotation. But Pedro lost one game at 
37 years old. That's how great yep. this man was. And I think that I think that his greatness goes against him because especially in baseball where they don't respect people for being great individually in years, they respect it for like, oh, you were great for 20 years. And it's like, even if you were great for 20 years, I would take Pedro, once again, top five pitcher to me personally all time. So like, I don't care who you throw at me. There's not five pitchers better than Pedro Martinez in my personal book. I I would tend to agree. By the way, uh, take a look at those jerseys. They're they're going quick. I saw. I have pulled up already. So after this podcast, you know, you boy. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing the same. But um, yeah, Pedro. Who's your favorite? Okay, who's your favorite Red Sox from the era when you were no more a, a, a team? No, no, no. When you, when you okay. no, no. But you got to listen to the question. Okay. I mean, that's just the answer all time. So I figured I'd give you that first. No, no, no. I didn't say all time. I wasn't gonna say all time. So say, who's your favorite Red Sox from the era where? you all were just having heartbreak, like that heartbreak era. I don't know where the year started, but like when people were getting hurt, when y'all were like losing playoff games, like who was your favorite Red Sox players? Give me your top three. Yeah, I mean, it'd be Nomar. Nomar's number one. Pedro's number two. Because like, I mean, that's like the late 90s to 2003. Mid two, I would say mid-2000s. I mean, once 04 happened, that was the game. Isn't that mid-2000s though? Oh, yeah, but I mean, so it's three years into – um into that would have been like still going on um i mean yeah it would be in order nomar pedro manny over euclid he wasn't there yet he was a rookie in 04 when they won the world series he was in 04 okay yeah and he was still third baseman johnny damon yeah Uh, no i I love when did papelbon get there oh six he came up okay oh six Okay, so this question wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. No, I mean, if if we were going to go apart from those three, then it gets a little more interesting. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't include the skipper? I'm including skippers, too. Oh, I was still Because they can get traded. They can get traded. But but Tito didn't get there till 04 either. Really? Okay. Yeah, that was his first year. They had Grady Little before that who left Pedro in too long. The only person I think that comes to mind that I put on that same pedestal as those other three is – Tim Wakefield. I love me some Tim Wakefield. And I did really like Jason Veritek. I I ended up souring on him more as I learned more about his personality. Um, but I definitely liked him as a player. Okay. What's the next topic? I'm tired of talking about these Red Sox. RIP to KC, though. Uh, That's the only reason I don't consistently shit on the Red Sox, because of Casey. Yeah, like, I, I used to fucking bomb <laughs> on the Red Sox. <laughs> Like bomb, and then she passed away, and they and you all won the fucking championship. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that I was able to like continue having a roommate who was a Yankees fan when like within a month and a half or what two months of me being of us being at school our freshman year, he had to watch me celebrate a Red Sox championship. But I think, but I think that that's because we're, I don't think Yankees fans care about Red Sox fans as much as Red Sox. Not fans not, not my generation. I, well, especially yeah. not my generation because by. Like if we had been in school for like oh three oh four, we were talking about. Because I was a Yankee fan. Weekend. Remember, I I grew up rooting for one team in each conference of every sport. So I was a Yankees fan. Like like Mike Mosina was my favorite player for most of my childhood. So like that was one of those things. But to me, like when the Red Sox won those couple, as a guy who used to, I don't root for the Yankees anymore. But when I used to root for the Yankees, I was like, that's cute. 
Like it was just like it wasn't wasn't when the Cubs won, I was like, oh, that's fucking dope. That's crazy. When the Red Sox won, I was like, it kind of was due. It's been a while. I mean, it's only a couple. Yeah, the the Cubs had had like different. Yeah, they were just really bad for a long time. Like the Red Sox had teams where it's like, okay, you probably should have won that one. Cubs were not that bad historically, though. What, what, what do you consider historical? Like from but I mean, like, won? I don't think there had ever been a moment where, like, they never had a Buckner where it was like, okay, you had the World Series in the bag and lost again still. Like, the Cubs just could never get to the World Series. Like, they had the Bartman thing, but that was in the NLCS, and then they still managed to lose another game. After all right, I'm, I'm going to disagree as a guy who loved watching the Cubs. When they had Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor, they have freak injuries with two guys who are arguably the best young pitchers in all of baseball with arguably the best hitter, home run hitter, not overall hitter, but home run hitter in all of baseball. They felt so snake bitten, dude. Like it was just straight up like you got this guy, Sammy Sosa, who hit more, more 60 run home runs in the history of baseball than any player in the history of baseball. He hit, I think, second to this point, more 50 home run seasons than any player in the history of baseball. And you have two pitchers who arguably are the best young pitchers in all of baseball. And then you have my guy who I love dearly, Moses Alou, who's to piss on his own hands. Doesn't really mean anything, but I like the fact that I like I can say that out loud and he admits to it. And they didn't even make it to the series. That shit feels snake bitten. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think I meant it more as just like, there were multiple points where the Red Sox were in the World Series, and like there was like one thing that happened. It was like that shouldn't have happened. Like the oh, Cubs, mean, the Cubs had mean, issues getting there. I oh, mean, you like, mean like in when it came to actually getting that final win? Right, shit didn't happen the way it was supposed to. Right, it's like the Red Sox okay, were right. in the World Series in '46, and Slaughter's mad dash. Like they had these like notable moments. Of Slaughter's mad dash, where you know, the, are they chokes? Would you say as a Red Sox fan, they choke? Yeah, no, that was that was the issue was like actual choking in the moment. Okay, or like, I don't think Buckner six. choked up. He shouldn't have been on the field. But I don't even even though he's, on, I don't think he choked. I think the ball his is weird actually balance. weirdly very similar to, in my eyes, uh, Russell Wilson throwing a pick. Did yeah, because no no no. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. The entire playoff run, he had gotten defensive replacements, uh-huh. but he was the MVP of that team. He was the reason they got there. They wanted him uh-huh. on the field. They wanted him to be the hero is okay. more what I mean. They didn't want to give it to Marshawn. They didn't want to put in a defensive replacement. They wanted him to be the hero on the field because he was the one that got them there. He okay. shouldn't have been on the okay. field. Okay, can I, can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah. Did Russell Wilson, did Russell Wilson get them there? I the team wanted no 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 here ivan ivan it's a simple yes or no question no the defense got them there so they weren't even on the field but it's a different sport no it's not when you talk about who should get the ball i didn't say who should get the ball i said who should be on the field in terms of who deserves it the most that would have been the defense russell richard sherman could have handed the ball off to marshall lynch (laughs) that would have been an (laughs) all-timer i firmly believe that would have worked yeah, T- tough, tough couple weeks for Sherm, though. 
All right, we ain't gonna talk about that. So uh the Bucks are about to win their first championship since Oscar Robinson and Kareem Abdul Jabbar, which is what well, Luau Center at that point, which is wild because they only have one championship between those two players, in your opinion. And this is happening in real time. It's 11:38 p.m. Eastern time, which I don't personally like. Like I'm, I'm I wanted Chris Paul to get his, but I'm not mad that Bobby Portis and the Bucks. Yeah, I say Bobby Portis and the Bucks because he's one of my doppelgangers. Um, is getting this championship. What does this do for the landscape of the NBA, if anything? Um. Weirdly, I don't think very much. Tell me more. Um, like, I, I don't know how much the Bucks are going to change. Like, I don't know how many, I don't know what their cap situation's like. Like, I don't, I don't see them changing a ton next year. I mean, the perception of the NBA. Not oh. Teams. Um, I think people will be happy that it's a team that hasn't won in a while. I think people will talk a little bit differently. Like there's this passing of the guard or whatever. Um, and then, but I, I, I think anyone with a brain looks at this season as like, it was a little bit of a shit show down the stretch. Um, everyone's tired. Everyone's hurt. Um, and I think by next October, like the Lakers will be fine again. Maybe, I don't know. Brown okay. may be in more movies, but. So I got to ask you this then. Okay. Hearing what you say that. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nigerian, His perception changes. His perception changes as an all-time 40, great. 49 points, 13 rebounds, five blocks currently in this game. And he's going to line. Is he is he going to be looked at as the best player in the NBA after the series? Yes. I think I, I think though people will look at him as a current moment above KD um and Braun. As like, who do you want right now? And I think people will say him. People will also discredit that, but I don't know how you argue with a guy that just scored fifty points in a closeout game when his team has barely a hundred points. Did he actually hurt his knee, or is he a mutant? I mean, I think he's been a mutant for a while, so um, I- I'm going there. According to Emmanuel Alcho. The year he got drafted, he had the second lowest 2K rating in all of the game. So I don't know if we can say he was a mutant when he got drafted. What do you? He looked, to he that, looked freakish, though. I mean, you can't be called the Greek freak from the start and not be he a little bit. Called, he was not called the Greek freak from the start. So I'll put that out there. He was not. He got the Greek freak name after he got drafted. That's a, that's fair. That's fair. Chris Middleton, so weird to me. I, I feel like he turns up in all the biggest games. I think we're ready for a hot take. I want us each to give two hot takes related to this series in the NBA. You can be the NBA. I want to go one one for one. First hot take, they trade Chris Middleton this offseason. Because he plays so well, and they can get Giannis actually a person who is a legit 1A instead of a 1B. And they already won. So if the trade fails, it doesn't really harm too much. And I think Giannis, with that knee injury that is hopefully, not hopefully, 
is legitimately a real injury. He's going to need some time off to actually recuperate after the season. So I think they trade Chris Middleton after this finals. Give me your hot take. We're going to go one for one. We're going to get two each. Okay. Um, My first thought, I'm looking at the free agency class right now. So I think that's going to be a big one. The class is kind of whack. Yeah, it's really just Kawhi, it looks like, right? It's not even Kawhi because Kawhi's not playing next year because he tore his ACL. Right. Um, This is a really whack class. Yeah, it's bad, dude. And the Bucs just won. The Bucs did just win. I think next year... Devin Booker is top three MVP. Voting? Ooh, that's a good one. He seems like a guy that gets motivated off this type of stuff. Mm. I, I think he's going to come back with a vengeance because I think, I don't know, it, it, I guess it's up to, well, it'll be interesting to see if CP comes back. I like. I mean, you see, book kind of even soaking in the moment now, even on the losing side a little bit. I mean, CP's um, under contract. Oh, he's got he a player option, I think. Yeah, but who's going to opt out of forty-five million dollars? I. But yeah, that's that's where I'm going. Um, book top three MVP voting next year. That's a great one. That's a great one. Can I cheat and get, can we go three or do you want to keep it with two even though I made the rules because I have Ooh, another one. I mean, I don't know that about. I can come up with three, but go ahead. Can I give two and you give one and it doesn't be judged? Okay. Terribly. The one that I wasn't going to give that I thought about earlier today is that CP3 opts out. The Suns don't sign him, but they sign Kyle Lowry and they end up in the conference finals again. And they realized that it wasn't just CP3. It was the fact that they needed a point guard who was selfless, as opposed to the fact that CP3 unlocked all dominant. Yeah. You know, so I think Kyle Lowry could do the same things that Chris Paul did based upon the championship run that he had, but he's a lot younger. I think Kyle Lowry is 33 and Chris Paul is 37. Yeah, it's at 36. So, yeah, probably by next year, 37. Yeah, it's a lot differently. And then my second, my my main point that I was going to say, as opposed to this, is that I don't think that the Bucks will be the favorites going into next year when the season starts. I think they're they they I don't think they're going to be the top two favorites. They might not even be top three favorites. I think that Vegas is going to have them somewhere between three and four when it comes to winning the championship, even though they are the champions right now. I don't think they'll be number one in the East. I, I still think y'all will have number one in the East, no matter I what happens. I think the Nets, but the Nets are going to be number oh, one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the, the Nets the Nets first. Um, and then I think y'all might still be second. So they may not even be top two. I think they're going to be somewhere between three and four. Even in the East, I I, I think. Because, I mean, in the West, I don't know, the Lakers, I guess. But, like, I don't think anyone's, like, particularly scared about the Lakers right now. I think I think it'll go uh, – I don't – not in no order. But I think the Lakers would be higher than the Bucks. 
I think that they will people people will continue to cock ride um Luca. I think Luca will be higher than the Bucks, even though like they I had don't know him, about that. They had him winning MVP before the year, and then he came in fat and they were like, Oh, never mind. That's he true. Be MVP. And it was like, no, you already made your picks. And I think um Denver will be high because Jamal Murray will be back. That's an interesting one. I mean, okay, so speaking of big basketball uh, expectations and results. Yes, yes, the USA is going to win gold, and it won't even be close. Oh, I wasn't talking about that. Yeah, I'm still not really worried about them. I'm still with the women, by the way, but yeah. I'm excited for three on three. I want to see that. I'm not. I'm not excited at all. I'm disappointed. Curious, I think, is more my I'm disappointed, Ivan. Can I tell you why I'm disappointed? Please, please. Who the fuck is playing for America? I don't know. Exactly, no man. more of the women playing three on three than the men. I think I don't give a fuck who played for either one of those teams, man. Like, why are that, we that should have been professor? <laughs> like, just run street street ball. Dude, dude. I, I'm not even bullshitting. I in my mind. Also, why don't you just have like the champions of the big three? Because you get, you, I think you get four to five players per for country. Why is it that two of those four to five players are not streetball legends and or big three all-stars? That shit baffles me, dude. Like I'm I'm not even, I'm not even joking. Like I feel some kind of way and maybe because I'm fucking ridiculous, but I feel some kind of way that the three on three Olympic game is not represented by any streetball all-stars slash big three all-stars period. And I don't even know who's playing for us, but I know it ain't even one of those leagues. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody, no lie. All right. Cancel alert. We should get a cancel alert button. I saw that one of the WNBA players who was supposed to be one of the three on three players for Team USA got COVID and can't play. Right. I read that and I was like, who the fuck is this player? Do you remember who it was? I'm curious. Yeah. I haven't heard about Robbie Hummel in. At least eight years. I don't know what the requirements are in order to qualify for three on three. Maybe is that you couldn't have played professional basketball after a certain amount of time. I don't fucking know. But if you're gonna look me in my face and tell me the professor couldn't have made the three on three squad for the Olympics, and and I know I just yelled. My apologies. And. You know these other countries are sending possibly their best. I wouldn't be surprised. Is Yogesh playing three on three? Maybe. I don't fucking know. Yeah, because I mean that some of those countries have a better chance there than you know full team. So, all right. But but here, here's a real question. You're an Olympian cornhole player because we, we we gotta circle back to this. You're an Olympian cornhole player. Man Who, or woman? Who's your partner? Man or woman? Man or woman? Either co-ed, whatever you want. I don't think they do. They definitely do in the ACL. Man or woman. All right. Can can we just break it down into three categories? Your man, your male partner, your female partner, and your mixed partner. Can we do that? Okay. Female Is a mixed partner, partner a third person? It could be anybody. It could be male or female, but it can't be one of your get... other ones. Is that what we're saying? No, it could it could be, but like for me, it's hard to distinguish. Okay. Um, go it's ahead. Just a me thing. 
Female partner, Diana Taurasi. Okay. Lady go all day to White Mamba, according to Space Jam 2. Yeah, we'll I talk about I that in a second. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. We'll talk about that in a second. So Diana Taurasi will be my secondary part, my, my female partner. Male partner? I would have to go with... <laughs> I would have to go with somebody like Pete Weber. Okay. The greatest, the greatest bowler in American history, in my opinion. You know, I'm some somebody who can just aim for the right moments, let that shit rip. If we're gonna go mix partner, I'm gonna go mix partner. It has to be somebody like <laughs> it has to be somebody like Like a Dennis Rodman. Like uh I'm going I'm going with that. I'm going with like a Dennis Rodman. I'm going with um a person like that who is ambiguous when it comes to their gender. But if you beat us, you know you gotta fight us. Like you gotta be somebody like that. It gotta be somebody who if you're gonna win, you gotta earn it, not just on the field of play, but after the field of play. And that's how we rocking with it. Because if I fuck you up and break your face, you can't play tomorrow. So that means we might qualify. I don't have a mixed partner that's going to match that, but I'll give you male and female. Male, and this is you know only going off the scouting of this person's own stories and former teammates talking about uh, his ownership of the cornhole board in the locker room. And because I think it would be a fun time, uh, I'm going with Pat McAfee. Um, who apparently was a very elite cornhole player, uh, maybe still is. Uh, female, this is actually the one that I thought of much quicker. Um, another goat of her sport. The person that I most trust to throw something underhanded in an accurate fashion, Jenny Finch. I just watched Jenny Finch in the celebrity softball game. Didn't look too good. That's why I didn't pick her. That part of why it was on my mind is I was like, oh, I forgot that she can just smoke, smoke like underhand throws. But um, also, also, I don't know the rules for Olympics. Uh, uh, cornhole. Can you ironically, throw it you know, underhand? Yeah, I don't know. I, ironically, you know who I think would be an interesting pick that was also in that celebrity game. I have a weird sneaking suspicion that CC Sabathia would be very good at cornhole. I don't think so because I think CC Sabathia would be. No, 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 no. I think he would be, he he would violate the rules. You know when you like you got to hit it a certain le- a certain height in order for it to count. Uh, I think yeah. he would be consistently under. But I think a player like a Seth Curry or a Steph Curry would be good because if you could throw it overhand, just trajectory, yeah, bro. You imagine being like, yo, we're gonna slide. These I feel like it's gotta play. be underhand. According to the rules, it's supposed to be underhand, but I don't know what Olympic rules are. I haven't looked at anything like that, even though it doesn't exist. We'll, we'll have, we may have to circle back to this at some point, but um, to wrap it up this evening, thoughts? No, on no, 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 no. We can't oh. wrap it up yet. We can't. Okay. We can't. We no, no, no. Oh, I'm not. Uh, well, we, I got a big thing that we need to discuss. So Space I'm not. Jam. Yes, that's where I'm going. That's. Oh my bad. I think you said finale. to wrap it up. Oh no, I'm saying to, to wrap it up, we got to talk about Space Jam. Listen, man, couches pull out. We don't continue on Space Jam. I got thoughts. I want to hear them, and I'm not going to talk first because. You wouldn't even share them with me days ago. Days ago. Here's my biggest gripe with the entire film. Okay, so we're starting off with gripes. Let's go. 
and this is coming from someone who has relished rooting against LeBron James as a competitor. I don't like the fact that the entire premise of the film, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, go watch it first, but um, I don't like that the premise of the film is almost like LeBron's a bad dad because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the one thing that no one can argue is that he seems like he's been a pretty good parent mm-hmm. uh, and supportive to his children. So that felt weird to me that that was kind of the premise and backstory of the movie. Um, also found it weird that I believe there's like different names for his kids and wife in the film, which yeah, there are. none of the kids in this film is named after his actual wife and kids, which seems really weird to me. Um, if it's going to be a movie about family, like it's not like his kids and wife's name are like private. Um, he's I, I did get a kick out of him in the board re- meeting scene where he said I can't t- afford to take time away from the game and I said maybe the fact that you were filming Space Jam may have been why you got swept in the first round Um, you ain't shit there was he talked about being in Harry Potter and I was like first of all of course he wants to the easy competition playing against kids Um, he'd be way too athletic for them that's why they there's like three black kids and all of Hogwarts. Um, But uh, he said he was a Hufflepuff, so I think I'm a big LeBron guy now. Um, I thought Don Cheadle was one of the, you know, from a critical standpoint, was one of the few brighter lights, probably because he's an actual actor and can kind of, you know, like he's a decent enough villain. He's a very good actor. So he was able to play a decent enough villain despite it not being like a great movie. Um, let's see, I mean, Braun hit him with the AI can't hear you to the crowd. That was that was a nice homage. I loved just the little uh, references to random movies. I thought that was cool. Just all the Warner Brothers stuff. Um, Mamba felt weird for Diana Taurasi. Just timing wise. Um, I mean, I, I guess you can't rescript the movie probably after you made it, but like, feels like they have the money that they could have rescripted the movie after they made it. Um, that part came out after Kobe died, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like that feels weird. I think it was intentional. Maybe because Kobe, because Diana Taurasi was one of Kobe's first people. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, I did know that. So like, yeah, I, the, if it was gonna movie, be anyone, I was, I was, tr- I was cool with it being Diana. And in the movie was supposed to come out last summer, so I think that it was one of those things where they could have changed it if they wanted to, but I think that there was no Kobe homage to it, so I think they left right. it. But I didn't want to interrupt what you were saying. I just wanted to put that little caveat. Out uh, there. Also, because lo- I love the love the Friday Night Lights UConn. reference. Love the Friday Night Light re- reference from Michael B. Jordan. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Um, that was a nice little touch. Um, overall, I liked it because I didn't go in expecting more from it than it was. Okay. That was kind of my takeaway was like, I'm glad I watched it. It's not like I'm going to be like dying to watch this again. Um. Yeah, but like overall, like the weirdest thing was like I it just feels weird because like the one thing that I could never take away from LeBron as much as I wanted to like root against him was like 
he seems like a good dude, takes care of his family, mm-hmm. would support his children in anything that they do. Like, clearly, like, Bronny's on, on like, a professional, like, I'm pretty sure he's part of FaZe Clan, so he's like, he's, like, in a gaming organization, so it's, like, the premise of this that he wouldn't be supportive of his sons doing this, like, just feels a little, it felt a little, like, ingenuine to me, and I was just, like, weird. The other crazy thing, uh, shout out to Chris Davis um, of the Oakland A's for being in it as his bodyguard, which took me forever to realize. Uh, Chris Davis with one of the, who, if you look up his stat line, one of the weirdest coincidences in all of baseball. I think he hit exactly 247 as a batting average four years in a row, which is one of my favorite uh, things. But yeah, no, I I thought it was fine for what it was supposed to be, which was an enjoyable movie. Like, I don't think, I don't think they made this movie going for critical appeal. Um, so I wasn't disappointed really by it. Like, I, I think a lot of people were like, oh, I'm so disappointed by it. And it was just one of those things. Like, there's a lot of, like the, the my takeaway from the Logan, Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight. I was like, it was kind of exactly what I anticipated it would be in terms of quality. And it was, I didn't go in expecting too much. Therefore, I wasn't disappointed. So that's kind of what I got. How you feeling about it? Okay. So speaking to the Oakland Athletics connection, I have no clue whether this is true because oh, soundtrack a... also was very good i enjoyed the oh, soundtrack slap the soundtrack slap but I, 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 I forgot to add that. that i forgot to add that soundtrack was great yeah so i think the reason why the oakland athletics situation happened was because of clay thompson i think because clay was in the movie clay brought somebody with him and it was a lot like, of bay, yeah, a lot of bay stuff yeah uh, but i think it was like yo we got i don't but mm, I don't know though because I don't think that I didn't see anything in the movie that related to Dame Dame Lillard as Just much Dame as it time, did. Yeah, was it? He he was yeah, in a way so, less than I thought he was going to be. I am not shocked by that um, at all because Dame is a lot more standoff. So to me, Dame probably shouldn't be the buddy buddy teammate of people who he's not really buddy buddy with. Um, he's not really buddy buddy with anyone, <laughs> except for the people on his team. So like I think yeah. that made a lot of sense. Um, I think that. If we're looking for on the mic, by the way, if you're looking for uh, critically my doppelganger, if I was six eight, but I would have made calves on instead of low cut socks. If if I literally just texted it to somebody uh, like two hours ago to my group chat, I was like, yeah, if I was six eight, I would look like Bobby Portis out there, but would make calves on. If you were looking for a critically acclaimed movie, Space Jam, New Legacy is not it. Um, as a guy who owns who owns a VHS currently of Space Jam, the original, the better one, and a DVD that has unopened of Space Jam, the original one, I came into this movie with a lot of bias, which is why I watched it for the first and only time thus far in my bed, on my phone, uh, Bluetooth connected to my JBL flip. I was like, you know what? I'll put some extra surround no sound. No free ads, though. No free ads. No free ads. But I will uh, I will watch it on my phone and, and we'll do it that way. And when I watched it, my biggest gripe from the beginning was that LeBron was trying to act. And I don't think he needed to. Like, I, it was weird to me that it's a good guy who has, I think, I think, I don't know it's for sure because I'm not on social media. He has a top five social media following in all of the, in every sport of the world and you made him the opposite of who he is, which is a great dad, a loving dad, a dude who seems to not give a fuck about the narrative 
and you made him strictly about the narrative, like, oh, all I care about is basketball, basketball and people care about yeah. basketball. It's like that and, dude's like one of the most multidimensional humans yeah. in sports. Yeah, and, and maybe he wanted it that way. Maybe he wanted to try to really act in, in a certain kind of way. And it was weird to me that that's what happened as opposed to it being a movie about LeBron and losing a son. That was the first thing that I had against it. The second one was you have a guy who is playing LeBron's son who is pretending to be good at basketball when you have Bronny James, LeBron James Jr., who was actually a top 20 prospect in his own class in basketball, who you could arguably teach how to act, but instead you take a guy who a little kid who probably has never really played competitive basketball, who's an actor and try to insert him into a basketball movie and hope that it, it catches. That was weird to me. Third part that hit me was just how bad Don Cheeto was. I know you said the opposite. Don Cheeto was one of them. And it may have been I'm trying to work in. It was like, he, it wasn't like it, he was going to win an award for it. When I say that, it was like, I think it felt, and maybe it was just because it was so polar opposite to Ron's kind of more forced trying to act stuff. It was like, at least there's an actor here. And I wanted to believe that he was at least decent. Um, it might be a rewatch and you might be right. But yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Yeah, you could be 100% right. For me, when I watched it, Don Cheadle came off just corny. With it, which is weird because Don Chino hasn't been corny in any role I've ever seen him. And even though he's an Oscar winner, even though he's in, to me, arguably a top five movie this year that just came out last weekend, it's, it's interesting to see him playing a position where his role was, was made to be corny. And I think that's really what it was. Like, I don't think he was bad in the role. I think the role was just bad. So, yeah. like, there's, there's only so much you can do with a bad role when it comes to a I mean, movie yeah, it was TV. bad from the character name. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't mind the character name, but I, I mind how they went about it. And then another part of it that, that like, hit me was just how often they were pulling from Black culture to make things funny. And it was just, like... Oh, Porky the Pig is battle rapping. Mm. Okay, I guess that's cool. Algae rhythm instead of algorithm. Yeah, cool. I guess that's cool. A black father who's not a good father. Yeah, I guess that's cool. Like if it, it felt very stereotypical, and I'm probably being a lot more sensitive than I need to be. But when I was watching it, that's really what I felt. I was like, this doesn't have to be this way. You could have made like this movie could have been like about LeBron James loving his kids so much that he didn't care if they cared about basketball and algae rhythm or algorithm didn't care enough to give him that credence. Cool. And we can figure it out. But instead you made a movie based upon something that none of us really will believe about LeBron. And you made it yeah, in a way acting where... as LeBron. Like, like I, and I think like the way you said it, like it made me think differently where it's like, it's cool. Like if LeBron was acting cool, like acting like he's a bad dad. Cool. But then it can't be LeBron as himself. Yeah. Cause that then make it's just you, ingenuine. Yeah. Make yourself like, I don't know if he's a bad dad at all. So I'm going to say this before I say that, but like make yourself fucking Clyde Drexler. Like who gives a fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like you could, there's millions of basketball players you could have been, but LeBron James, you know? Um, and then, 
And then the last part that I would say about the movie, I mean, I can say a lot more, but the last part I'll say before I stop talking is that it felt, it just felt too, if corny's not the right word, but corny's the only word I can think about. It felt too corny that the Toon Squad beat the greatest basketball players on earth. It just felt too corny. And I know it happened in the first movie, but the way it happened in the first movie is a lot different to me than the way it happened here. Because Larry Johnson isn't considered one of the greatest basketball players in the world. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Bradley, No, 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 no. But making it into the Hall of Fame of basketball is a lot easier than any other sport Mm -hmm. in the world, period. It just is. Because you can be high school, college, um, professional ranks and professional means anywhere around the world, right? So you got Sean Bradley, you got Larry Johnson, you got Muggsy Bowes. Nobody in their right world would draft any of those players in their top 10 draft picks on their franchise. And I mean top 10, like you already have nine players, not top 10 picks like this is your 10 pick. Nine players on your team, you're not drafting Muggsy Bowes, Larry Johnson, or Sean Bradley. So it made it a lot more believable in the first movie where it was like, okay, here are some of the greatest basketball players ever. And then some of the greatest anomalies. Once again, I'm going to say it again. Some of the greatest anomalies in basketball history with the shortest player in NBA history and one of the tallest players in NBA history. And grandmama, Larry Johnson. And that's why a lot of when we did our perspective casting on this, we talked about Isaiah Thomas or... uh, Mm -hmm. I think probably I or maybe you threw up probably Taco Fall. Like, you know, like that's kind of the way we went into it. I, I think yeah. we did have Clay Thompson in there um, for sure. And then, but like we were throwing names like Blake Griffin and like, you know, yeah, people that could also like that make sense. act a little bit. That yeah, it sense. made more sense. It's exciting. It's like, oh I was, God, I, you know, it, I, that was actually shit. another thing that I was disappointed in. I was the. Yeah, the one thing I was also looking for was some type of parallel to the Bill Murray character, um, whether it be another comedian or some teammate of LeBron's. Um, it would have been cool to see, um, like, oh, who, who's LeBron going to bring in? Oh, he brings in CP and Melo and D. Wade and, and kind of that whole crew, even in um, an older state uh, that they're currently in. Or I really thought, well, one, when Michael B. Jordan came on the screen, I thought that may have been an option. Um, I also, you know, of course, you know, we knew in the trailer that he was going to talk about being shorter than Kevin Hart. I was a little surprised um, that Kevin Hart didn't make an appearance. It felt like a natural place for him to kind of squat in at some point. So, um, you know, that was another thing that I I noticed. Um, But, yeah, in terms of – I think there's a certain element, you know, talking about Don Cheadle's corniness as well, that when it when you see a real face, it's harder to get away from corny characters. Um, you know, when you had uh, what was his name, uh, Swackhammer uh, in the original Space Jam, I think when he's a literal cartoon, it's way more acceptable to go by you know, and accept the corniness of said character, um, you know, just because naturally it's not real. Whereas like, because you can see 
the actual mannerisms and body um, body language of of Don Cheadle in that moment. I think it's harder to get away from that. Um, but again, I think overall, yeah, and I guess that's a good point. Did you think that there was going to be like a parallel to the Bill Murray character in, in the original Space Jam, like whether it was a Kevin Hart or a Michael B. Jordan? Um, you know, like the, that was one thing that felt like it was missing to me a little bit. Did you feel the same or, or were you just not really expecting one? I, I, I purposely went into this movie not expecting anything to be a parallel. I went into this movie expecting that this is a standalone movie with the same type of title. And when I saw the movie, I wasn't disappointed or felt like I didn't expect what happened. It was more like, yeah, this is this is a different Space Jam for a different generation as opposed to a sequel. And I think a lot of people went into this movie as a sequel. But what I will say is that it was, I don't know if you watched the post-credits, but Bill Murray was in the post-credits. I, I started them and then I had to run and I I have them in an open tab and I just haven't yeah. gone back and watched so, them. Okay, that's so, good to know. So Bill Murray was in the post-credits playing golf, I think, with Daffy Duck. Okay, so like, good. So like they they still had him in it like okay. as an old as that, that an makes old, me feel a little better yeah as an old Bill Murray you know so like I think that well that and that was the other thing I was uh, you know to circle back like do you feel that they should have incorporated I was I was surprised that they didn't I was surprised not to see at least Dwayne Wade I wasn't well they made reference to the win. I think that one of the I think one of the best parts, if not the best parts of this entire movie, is how many times and how often they made references to historic basketball moments. And I don't know if you realize this. Like I know, I know you like basketball. I love basketball. Like basketball's my favorite sport. If you if you if you like I'm pretty sure if you look it up, like the amount of Easter, I guess they call them Easter eggs when it comes to basketball moments throughout this entire movie, they were doing it, you know, like from the, from the, uh, the Bill Knight throwing the, the chair. Yeah, there was, the, I, I, yeah I noticed Bobby Knight. Um, I mean, obviously I noticed the Belichick one um, training day. Like there was a lot. Was that, that was there. that was my sneaky favorite part. I just loved how many sneaky little film references there were too. But but I think that I think that that was part of them giving credence to the things that you probably physically didn't see, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that that was dope. I think that that was one of those moments where it was just like, okay, you get it, even if you can't really include it, you get it. And I think they did it. I think that that was probably the best part of the whole movie. However, I do think that. There's, I, I don't think that I'm one of these weird people, right? Where I think that if in Space Jam is not considered a great movie, I know that to me is a great movie. In my mind, is a great. It's one of my five favorite movies of all time. I don't think that great movies need a sequel, but I know what the money says. Like if like they made Training Day a CBS series, it lasted I think four episodes because nobody was like, I don't know, I don't want to watch this on CBS. Like motherfuckers can't even curse. How are you going to get me training on CBS? So I think it's the same thing about Space Jam, where it's just like, oh, that, that was me, another man. Easter egg I noticed was that it's over. That was that was good. I, I'm I'm trying to look up some of the the Easter eggs now. They had um, they had a training day Easter egg in it too. 
they had um training day they had Dwayne Wade in it with the yep that I did notice that one with Lola yep yep they had a lot of shit in there where for me it's easier to figure out what didn't happen as opposed to give credence to what did so for me I think they did a great job of calling back to basketball history also shout out to EJ yeah grandmama but like however I think that it's one of those things that oh you mean Ernie Johnson. Yeah. I didn't say LJ. I said EJ. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh but I think that is it's interesting because it didn't have to be as isolated as it really was. But when you look at it, you know, you just assume like people will understand it. But I don't think most people do, man. Like you don't need a second space jam. You could have made a whole nother movie. And it could have been something different where you had a million product placements and nobody would have felt weird about it. When you got a, a movie that was the only movie that we ever got ever before The Last Dance about a biographical reason why Michael Jordan is no longer playing basketball and why he came back. Like I know it's not real, but like the idea that like he said yeah. it, if I'm not mistaken, in Space Jam, Michael Jordan said, my dad said I should try to play baseball at some point in time, so I'm going to do that. I'm pretty sure he said that in that movie. Or he's, he at least said something like, I'm doing it for my dad. Yeah. Um, and then he came back to basketball, yeah. and you didn't see what happened, but you know him coming back to basketball meant something. This movie served none of those purposes. It was just more about a cash grab to me. It was just like, yeah, uh, we're going to make this movie, and you're going to watch it, and here we are, which is not a bad thing. But I, I, think, I think you bring up like a good it. point. If it was going to be a standalone movie and not a sequel, you got to make it a completely standalone movie. That I think makes they should have made it a series. I think it should have been a series. Think, that would have been good. Ten episodes. LeBron saves the Toon Squad. I don't need Porky the Pig doing battle raps. No. That's that me, missed. though. That missed. That's me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rapper. Ivan, you may not believe this. I hope you do because we're cool. But you may not believe this. I've been in over 50 battles in my life. I never lost one. Have you no matchups with Roni the Prince? Oh, Roni didn't win. Roni wasn't in Philadelphia. Roni was in the suburbs. He didn't want these problems. I ne- I used to battle, no bullshit, when I was at Dobbins High School, ninth grade. I used to battle people five times a day. Never lost. I used to no, battle people. No, you, you mispronounced that. Never lost. Like LeVar, never I know lost. What I said. No, no, I know what I said. I know what I said. Uh, <laughs> when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I used to come to, I, I used to, this is how real I am, Ivan. I used to tell people months in advance, yo, on this date, we battling. Your whole grade is battling. Tell them, let them know that we're battling. And I would come to school with enough raps that I didn't repeat a rap in the entire grade that I'm battling. Never lost. So for me, I understand that, you know, that's why I can't give that credence because I understand it. I'm about that action, boss. Like, Ivan, I'm really like no bullshit. And you know me. I would tell you if I thought my verse sucked. I would tell you if you already know what my new album is going to be called. Like, I would tell you if I'm like, nah, this is what I'm feeling. I'm not that dude where I got to I got to pretend like I'm greater than I am. I'm really not that. And if and if you disagree, I want you to tell me because I don't believe I am. So for me, when I come to the table with some shit, it's well defined. So the fact that I can tell you that I battled in 
all parts of Philadelphia literally never lost. And I came to this shit with a clear mind. That shows you that this movie like Space Jam is coming to theaters with a clear mind because it's not about the fringe people. It's about the people who need to see Bugs Bunny again. And who is my favorite cartoon character of all time? It's about people who need to keep talking about if LeBron is better than Jordan, which he isn't. But like they need to keep pushing that, even though they're different kind of players, they need to keep pushing that narrative. And it's sad to me because LeBron and Michael Jordan deserve better. I agree. And this is just what it's going to be because that's just what we keep pushing and what gets the clicks. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, I, I had a feeling we were we would kind of be on similar wavelengths in terms of not not being disappointed, but also mostly because we weren't going in with a lot, but having some nitpicky thoughts and, you know, kind of on the same wavelength. But, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. Hey, I'm down to see LeBron try and do something else. I he I, I prefer more like the barbershop style or just real conversations than his acting career so far. But I'm I'm down to give it another shot if he wants to give it another go. He crushed it in that movie with Amy. Um, oh, yeah. Trainwreck. Yeah, that was good. He crushed it. But I think it's because he didn't have to be somebody else. He was he was just being it. He Wayne got to be LeBron. Made, the Wayne Wade talked about how LeBron James is a cheap ass motherfucker. So in that movie, he was being a cheap ass motherfucker. He he got to play himself, which was dope. Yeah, it was. It, I wish he had shot that down of being someone he's not. But on to bigger and better. I, I think that's uh, all, all we got. Unless you got something to wrap it up. You got a bar. Um, no. <laughs> a bar? You want a bar? Wait, wait. You really want a bar? Let me pull a bar. I can pull up some bars. I've been writing. Uh, I mean, do we, do we want to give the people a taste or only, only, only a taste, man? PNS is the new album that I plan on dropping very, very soon. Um, I'm not gonna tell you what it means, but you would get it when it comes out. <clears throat> it's one of these things that sometimes I sit back. And I look at it, I'm like, what should I say here? What should I do here? This is me basically stalling to find a better bar than what I've been finding recently. But it's interesting because I think a lot of people don't understand that music is all about what money you can provide. Like, I've recently learned that for a song, I don't know if you noticed, Ivan, but for a song to actually chart and not like top 10, like top 200 it takes like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. look that's just like that is not no long it's no longer people who are just like i like this music so i'm gonna play it like that's not really what's happening entrance to play or pay to play now yeah so for me i'm not about that shit so for me like I, i i write for me honestly and then for everybody else secondary so here's a little bit of a uh, a little a little a little jiggy, you know, to get people ready for the album. And this may not even be on the album, but I wanted to put it out there because I wrote it recently. And it's like, hang out in the hood because bullets come through windows. Safety is a myth when you live in, in rentals. Caught with, die without. 
The math is simple. Kobe versus Carter, the difference is mental. Do you want to be the best or prepare to be the best? Want to protect your neck or put the vest on your chest? Done running your mouth? Why not going to give it a rest? They break balls. We break jaws. Different type of surgery. What happens on this side is far past emergency. Take the stand on your fam. Next stop is perjury. Say your name three times in the mirror. Have you heard of me? I'm in photos with my arms up, not behind my back. I'm not a criminal unless you think it's just because I'm black. All defense with the schemes. You a well-known hack. This is elementary to me. I possess every skill you lack. This is what I'm talking about, you know, like this, that like for me, that wasn't a perfect flow at all, but I didn't want it to be because if that was the case, I would have learned it beforehand. But I think people don't understand what it means to make a change in your community and when it makes a change to people who listen to you and, you know, like. I'm, I'm on the fringe. I'm on the fringe of actually trying to make a change or just trying to fuck everybody who makes a change, figuratively or literally. And depending on what I choose to do, to me, depends on what happens in the future. And I'm okay with that because there will not be a future. There will not be a future. Not, there will be a future. There will not be a funeral for Reese to MC if I have anything to say about it, which I should because, you know, I have life insurance. But people need to understand that what you get is what you get in <clears throat> the day you stop getting it is a day that you may want to quit. I didn't mean to rhyme, but that's just what it is. So I'm going to say, they say be true, be true, be you ain't no need to fake it. Be true, be you ain't no need to fake it. I'm going to sign out from Reese MC. I'm going to keep quite right. And we are quite right. And as soon as this motherfucker on the other end of the microphone figures out what his vacation situations with. We actually might be able to do this in person. So yeah, 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 yeah.